Hello, Tony and Bree, back with you. Yay! The dog days of summer are here, but I actually guess most people are going back to school soon, right? Yeah. Remember when school didn't start till September? Yeah, like now it's early <laughs> August. Well, we are going to be back to business as well next week, season two of Date Night, and we've got an action-packed year planned, a ton of guests, some old guests, and I think you'd agree, my love, just an exciting focus on new ways to encourage and edify the body. Yes, we will be doing a lot more double dates this yep. year, which makes me so excited having people here in studio, which means we can go a bit deeper on certain topics. I'm excited for that. Should we give anything away? I don't know. Yeah, what do you go think? for it. Go okay. for it. Just one. Well, we are kicking off season two with a couple who is literally changing the world, evangelistically, hint, hint. Mm. And they'll be pouring out wisdom on how to raise older teens and 20s, which is something many people have been asking for. It's true because there's so much material out there for raising little kids, but not much on teens and 20s. So that's going to be a big one. All right. Well, we have a great one today as well. Our last summer in the sermons, and it is the perfect climax to our series because it's all about about the gospel. And who doesn't like Bodie Bauckham? <laughs> well, the woke mob for one, but most people love him. Yeah. Are you ready, my love? Yes. Ethan ready? Summer in the Sermons, last take. How dare you say that to me? <laughs> what did I say? I don't know, but how dare you? Well, this one should be fun, my love, because the clip absolutely speaks for itself. It really does. And I am guessing many of our date night fam have heard this, but just in case, Vodi Bakum is currently the Dean of Theology down in Africa Christian University in Zambia. He travels the world speaking on a host of things. A couple of years back, he wrote a book titled Fault Lines that brought clarity to the issues surrounding critical race theory and all the woke madness that we've seen break up churches and culture. Then last year, he was asked to headline a pastor's conference and after after spending about an hour discussing these issues, he closed with what I would call is just a clear salvo on the gospel. And the point was that only the gospel can truly heal ethnic enmity. Yes. Basically, he spent time showing how social justice and politics and programs and parades will never heal the animosity between people or people group because the issues are heart related, not skin related. And he condemns the pastors that are focusing on social and quote versions of the gospel. And then he tells this monster group of pastors to stop selling every short-sighted cultural solution of wokeness and instead get back to the one true answer, which is the gospel of Christ. Amen. And he tells them that even if people don't want it, just keep preaching it and preaching it and preaching it until until they can see its beauty again. Which leads to this climax, which brings 3,000 men to their feet for a standing ovation. So here is Vody Bauckham Jr. in March of 2022, closing his sermon titled Gospel Clarity. One of the most pathetic sinister and demonic aspects of this entire movement and this spirit of this age is that it robs people of the life-changing truth of the gospel. It says that people who find themselves in circumstances like those in which I was found need something other than the gospel. And even worse than that, it says that it's offensive and racist to say that the gospel is what we need. In Robin D'Angelo's book, 
White Fragility. Another one that if you have not read it, don't. She talks about several kinds of racism. And one of the kinds of racism that she talks about is aversive racism. And And here's how she defines aversive racism. If you look at disparities between groups of people, And if you look, for example, at, at, at black people and you say that there are disparities between black people and white people, and if you define those disparities or explain those disparities by anything other than racism, that that's actually racism. So, The preacher who looks at people like me in my circumstances and says, your family has been broken for generations and there are consequences in your life right now because your family's been broken for generations. But the gospel can heal what's broken and change your life and the life of your children and your children's children because God is that good. D'Angelo says, that pastor's a racist. Kendi says, that pastor's a racist. Because what you're supposed to say is, you are a weak and helpless victim. What's wrong with you is somebody else's fault. It is the result of sin, but the sins of others committed against you. And what you need is to hold your head up high, look those people in the face, and say, give me something. How incredibly wicked. No, what I needed, what you need, what everyone who hears us needs, is the righteousness that is found in the gospel. The righteousness that flows from the gospel. The righteousness that transforms individual lives and in transforming individual lives actually does transform families, actually does transform communities, actually does transform nations. So what do we do when we find that our child walks through the strawberry patch and no longer likes the taste of strawberries. There's a couple of things you can do. One, just keep him out of the strawberry patch and keep giving him slushies. Or two, 
Stop giving him slushies. Take him to the strawberry patch again and again and again until strawberries begin to taste sweet. And in case you missed it, What we do in the midst of this sin-sick age that has rejected the gospel and perverted the gospel and replaced the gospel with that which is not the gospel. Is that we call out that wickedness. We call it by name. And we remind people of the good news of the gospel again and again and again until it tastes sweet to them. When people say, no, our, our problem is this, our problem is that, we say, no, 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 our problem is that God created the world and God created man and he put man in the garden to keep the garden and he gave the man a command. And he held that man to perfect, perpetual obedience to that command. And he promised him life if he kept it and death if he didn't. And he didn't keep it. He ate. And because he ate, because of that one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And everyone born from that man through ordinary generation inherited that man's sin nature. And because of that sin nature, sins proceed from it. And our world is broken because of that sin. And we stand guilty before a holy and righteous God. And we know that he's holy and we know that he's righteous and we crave justice. But the problem is that if God gives us justice, we all die. And so that God in his goodness and in his mercy sent forth his son who was not born of ordinary generation but was born of a virgin yes the virgin birth matters why because if he's born of ordinary generation he's born in sin but because he's not born of ordinary generation he's not born in sin he's clean of sin his record is clean and he keeps his record clean and he obeys god's law and because he's fully god and fully man he obeys the law of God on our behalf in his active obedience. And then in his passive obedience, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. All we like sheep had gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way, but God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And Christ died for sin once for all, the just for the unjust. And God imputes our sinfulness to him and he nails our sinfulness to the tree. And Christ dies and raises again on the third day for our justification. And there's another imputation. The righteousness of Christ is actually imputed to us so that God can be both just and the justifier of the one who places faith in Jesus Christ so that all those who come to Christ may enter in, so that all those who place faith in Christ might be saved, but not only saved, but sanctified. 
because he's the firstborn of many brethren. We're justified and we're adopted into the family of God and we're sanctified. And as his children, we begin to bear the family resemblance and we're further sanctified throughout this life by the very same gospel that saves us until one day when it's all said and done, we're not just saved from the penalty of sin. We're not just saved from the power of sin, but one day we're glorified and saved from the very presence of sin. That's the gospel that we preach. That's the gospel that we need. And that's the gospel that's more than enough. Okay, I don't know, my love, and I'm honestly trying to recall if in all my 40 years of church, I've ever heard a better four minutes of just pure preaching, um, at least a more doctrinally inspirational bit of preaching. Seriously. Because it has everything. It's gospel basics with doctrinal depth, all of it from memory, with such emotion and passion. And for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it, he's got tears streaming down his eyes. And for those who don't know the backstory, it was right after this that he was diagnosed with heart failure and rushed into emergency surgery. So it's literally like Baxter used to say, a dying man to dying man. Wow. So I've got a ton of thoughts on this one, but you first, my love. Anything that stands out? Yes, I'll let you talk about the polemic on woke stuff. But I'm like you said, just moved by the gospel clarity because I think sometimes we hear the gospel so simplified, which I know it needs to be for our children in evangelism. But hearing it with such theological rigor makes my heart sore. Agreed. Like a miner who's hitting a stone on the surface, Mm. exposing the vein of gold, and then slowly mining it for us, just crack by crack, blow by blow, until the whole gospel shines under the sun in all its glory. So yeah, I would just say the theological beauties of the mm, gospel. Amen. Yeah. And you mentioned that I could cover the woke stuff, but it is interesting that just before he explodes on the true gospel, he says social justice, CRT, and all of that robs people of the true gospel. Mm. And his reasoning is that it's looking at the symptoms like an aspirin, but it never exposes and deals with the root disease of depravity. Um, in fact, here's a quote that I grabbed from his book, Fault Lines. He says, I have heard a mantra lately that rings hollow in my ears. And that mantra is, there can be no reconciliation reconciliation without justice. And he goes on, when I hear that, I want to scream, yes, and the death of Christ is that justice. All other justice is proximate and insufficient. It is because of Christ's work on the cross that we can heed the apostles' admonition, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And then he says, who am I to tell a white brother that he cannot be reconciled to me until he has drudged up all of the racial sins of his and his ancestors past and made proper restitution? For Christ has atoned for sin. So good. Well, this seems right here like a perfect place to kind of pause and kind of just conclude our summer in the sermons with a very personal word. So date night family, um, we're kind of get off the podcast mode here and we're just going to talk to you as brothers and sisters or as friends and family or just as people who care about your soul. If anyone listening, anybody listening has never responded to the good news of Christ, please, please, please do so now. You just heard that truth. You heard it so 
clearly explained and so passionately explained. And so please bend your knee to Christ, turn from you and cling to him. And you'll immediately be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The old is gone and the new has come and nothing will ever be the same again. Yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it really has been a blessed summer. Just taking time to go back and to hear the historic truths of the faith as proclaimed by these um, blessed preachers and proclaimers of your truth. And we do pray that everyone listening will heed the clarion call that was sounded by, by John MacArthur a few weeks ago, um, that was sounded by Steve Lawson and John Piper and Susan Heck and then by Vody today, that they would not rely on man but only on Christ. Help us all to daily turn from sin and self and to cling always and only to him as Savior and Lord. It's for his glory and our good that we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Date Night Fam, Season 2 starts next week, so please share the pod with your friends and join us for an exciting year of love, life, laughter, and truth. Thanks to Ethan, our producer, the people of Mission Bible. And until next time, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family.